It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Week 14 of the Main Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. I'm William Galloway and joined on the line with Britton Johnson. BJ, there's been some struggles, but uh, we'll get to those here in a minute. How are you doing? Uh, how's your well-being as we're uh, about halfway through the SEC point in this season? Yeah, I mean, obviously not the not the best week of basketball. Just kind of saying the obvious there, but but outside of that, doing pretty well. Um you know, the amazing thing is you have a you have a bad game and the next day the sun still comes up. So uh, it's good. To, it's good to remember that. But, uh, you know, all that said, obviously, we have a lot to work on. Yeah. And the ball bounces one way or the other. And you get to play the beauty of basketball is you get to play three or four days later um, and against really good competition. Obviously, you've said multiple times it's going to be tough to it's tough to win on the road in the SEC. Um, so going over the schedule in recent games, Alabama currently 14 and nine overall, four and six in conference play this past week, a 19 point loss at Auburn on Tuesday, followed by Saturday night's 11 point loss at home versus Kentucky, where the Tide shot just three of 30 from beyond the arc. Looking at the schedule this week, Crimson Tide hitting the road on Tuesday night to go play Wednesday. That's talking about travel day on Tuesday to go play Wednesday. At 7.30 on the SEC Network, that game is in Oxford, Mississippi versus the Ole Miss Rebels. And Saturday at 11 a.m., the Crimson Tide will take on Arkansas back in Coleman Coliseum. That game will be televised at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. So, Britton, let's just quickly take a look back at last week and how we can build on what's upcoming this week. What was your one takeaway from that game, which was a lot of a struggle uh, versus Auburn Tuesday night in Auburn Arena? Yeah, I mean, I think the the takeaway is that um, it's really, really hard to beat a great team on the road. That's just kind of a fact of the matter. I know we talked about it a good bit on the podcast. And, um, you know, another one I'd say is that I think that we aren't as far away as, as you know, maybe the score or maybe a few of the games would indicate um, from being not just a good team, but a really great team that can contend for um a final four or whatever else um you know obviously the score ended up being ugly they made a good run uh in the middle of the second half that kind of uh buried us a bit but we were right there for you know a good stretch of that second half and then it kind of got away from us and um you know there are definitely things that we can look at and learn from i think there are things that we did well in the game obviously we let up way too many transition points um and way too many points at the rim uh but I thought we did a pretty good job on Jabari. That was a major improvement area for us from game one to game two. And uh, I thought we did certain things well. I thought we shot the ball okay. But, um, you know, they're a great team. They have a a great home court environment. And, you know, it's really tough when um, we're putting them on the free throw line so many times and we're giving up all these transition buckets. It's pretty much impossible to beat them. So, that's you know, if we were able to catch them again in uh, Tampa this year or – in the NCAA tournament, we definitely have some things to, to learn from. And I think there are some things that we learned from going to this Kentucky game. 
Yeah, I, one thing I would say about the Auburn game is there was a lot of skill play uh, involved from the Alabama offense. Jaden Shackelford really got to showcase his shooting ability, and he was hitting them from beyond the arc, and he was hitting them from way downtown, some of his three-pointers and some of JQ's three-pointers as well. Um, but one guy that did struggle was J.D. Davison. What's your message as a leader of this team to a guy who was, I believe, scoreless in that Auburn game and then really struggled versus Kentucky uh, Saturday night. What's your message to him and of encouragement? And how do you, um, you know, what as, as a five-star who played 2A, 3A basketball coming into the SEC play, you see some struggles and a lot of fans want to point fingers at that and say, well, he can't play at this level. Obviously he can, Nate Oates thought he can. And we've seen some glimpses of him playing really good basketball this year. What's your encouragement uh, to a young guy like that who's going through a bit of a tough stretch right now? Well, that you know, you're a freshman and we're not expecting you to be perfect. Um, I think that's so important to remember because uh, I think a lot of people who are use this instant gratification of, oh man, a rookie or a freshman or whatever, this first year guy can come in and just immediately turn things around. And in rare cases, you'll see that. But for the most part, like freshmen aren't expected to just carry a team. And uh, because there is a learning curve to this game. And so um, I, I love JD. He's a great player he's a great guy um love hanging around him and you know I truly believe he can be a guy that's playing extremely high level basketball in March for us because he's continuing to grow and continuing to improve um that man like he can be a guy that absolutely keys our run in March like he's good enough to do that and so um you know you talk about maybe a couple of guys not playing well here or there. And you look at the shooting performance, obviously last night, and obviously there's some physical things that you can improve, but it's really, it's, it's a confidence thing on, on some level because, um, you know, I believe that the talent's there. I mean, there's no, I think everybody that's watched us play throughout the year and has seen us beat Gonzaga, seen us beat Houston. There's no questioning, uh, our ability, our skill, our talent, um, but I think that there's definitely a level to which confidence and, and just kind of self-belief. And I'm not saying that is like a, an indictment on our team for the long term, but just in these short term and these one game moments or maybe in these uh, four minute stretches where it kind of we go cold and it kind of feeds off on everybody, if that makes any sense. And so um that's definitely an area for us to all grow in it's not just a jd thing right you know obviously you go three for 30 that's not a one person thing but i also don't think it's something where you hit the panic button and say oh well all of a sudden um we're doing everything wrong we're shooting we don't have shooters like we do have shooters um but it's just we had a really really bad off night and how are we going to respond and all things considered, the defense and the defensive the the defensive effort, excuse me, really kept us in the game. You know, I thought um, Betty Aka was fantastic against Shibwe, keeping him off the glass and really limiting what he was able to do. He's one of the best big men. Shibwe is one of the best big men in the league. Uh, so to be able to contain, and I think you can really only contain him. You can't really stop him. Um, I'd say that Bediaco, you know, played a very solid game. There was a lot of solid defensive effort at the beginning of the game. You had guys flying up and down the floor. And one thing I saw in that game was the speed of Kentucky um, and their ability to kind of control the game 
uh, in a lot of aspects, whether they wanted to play fast, get up and down the court, move in transition, or if they wanted to slow down Alabama, do a, do a one-man press, slow down JQ or slow down Shaq, whoever would bring the ball up at a certain time in the game. Um, they controlled a lot of the pace. I don't know if that's something that you felt, but did you feel that? And then what was Coach Oates' message to the team immediately after the game, given the poor shooting performance? Yeah, I mean, last night was – it felt like an anomaly in many ways. Um, if you've been a fan of Alabama basketball a long time, maybe it didn't feel like too much of an anomaly. But under NATO's, uh, it just felt different. Um, I can't really put my finger fully on it. Obviously, I can say shooting was a big part of that. Um, but it just kind of the, the energy was down for whatever reason. And for that to be a top five – Anybody in the building, I think, would kind of recognize the energy was a little lower than it was for sure the Saturday prior. That's not saying that that's the fans' fault or anything like that. I'm just saying like that's something that I noticed from the game. And then kind of, I'll say this: you, you noticed uh, you were talking about how how well Charles played. I, I thought that that might have been the best game he played has played in Alabama jersey. I mean, he was phenomenal. Oscar Shibway, um He's right now, I think, number one in the Wooden, uh, Wooden Award watch. So he is the number one candidate for National Player of the Year. Not, he's not just one of the best bigs in the league, but he's you know, one of the best players in the country. And he's one of those dudes that, um, for example, last night, I thought we did a great job of containing him. You know, I didn't necessarily notice him just doing anything crazy, honestly. You look up at the end of the game at the box score, and it's like this dude had like 14 and 15. Um, so – you know, what he does rebounding the ball is pretty special. Uh, it's something you don't really see anymore. So, uh, and, and can tell you he's got a lot of good players. I thought we did a really good job on the scouting report. I thought it really was a very strong defensive performance for us. Definitely strong enough to win the game. I mean, there's no questioning that. Um, I thought we did a great job on Grady, who is probably the best shooter in the country. Uh, dude was just absolutely knocked down. We limited him to only three attempts in the whole game. And he played, I think, if not the entire game, pretty much the entire game, maybe minus a minute. But I thought he might have played all 40. And, um, you know, I thought we did a great job on Wheeler, who ended up with zero points. So we there are a lot of bright, bright spots, especially defensively. And then, obviously, I mean, you can only say so much about the offensive side of the ball. It was just a rough night and uh, an anomaly, I think. And obviously, we haven't been shooting the ball great, but – this was the one that topped them all off. Um, so it's really just we have shooters. I don't like I I believe in our guys, um, and I think at some point I'm a huge believer in the law of averages. I believe in that for myself. If I have a, a rough shooting night, that I believe that the next one's still going to fall, and that eventually it all kind of goes back to where it's supposed to. So if that's the case, uh, we're looking at a potentially fantastic end of the season in March and potentially April. But, um, you know, obviously very rough shooting night last night. It's, it's disappointing because I thought our defense was good enough to win the game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, – I mean, he said in the postgame comments, it's not like it's a secret, but, you know, it's his comments were a lot of talking about how we didn't really bring it with our energy tonight, and I'd have to agree with him on that and uh, how we kind of – kind of to kind of get our swagger back a little bit. I think that was definitely a little little piece of it and without going too in in depth with it. But, uh, yeah, obviously a disappointing one, especially to lose it at home 
and, and to have shooting be a large you know reason why it really didn't go our way it's just kind of frustrating because you always want to protect home court and um we had a chance to have two top five wins in a week which would have been fantastic and so uh it's frustrating that it didn't work out but um you know now we're on to Ole Miss and looking ahead to that yeah the you you bring up the law of averages and at the point last night Saturday night where Alabama was two of 19 from three I turned and I looked to Gray Robertson and I said, that's the, that's the exact term I use. I said, the law of averages is going to come into play here. We're about to hit four of our next six threes. I mean, we've got, as you've said, multiple times, we've got the shooters, it's going to happen. And then what happens other than Alabama goes three of 30 for the game. So in, in timeouts, like, was there anything said? Also, I want to ask you about timeouts in general. That's one thing a lot of fans have griping about and there's a reason that fans pay money to be in the stands and there's a reason that people like yourself are on the team and coach Oates is hired to lead the program very different mindsets very different approaches uh to certain situations and uh how how you handle adversity obviously y'all have have taken it very well kind of taking it one game at a time um step by step but how much of of a factor and we can kind of move on from that three-point shooting how much of a factor are timeouts in college basketball as a player in terms of stopping momentum or trying to motivate and maybe spur some momentum? Because um, obviously it's very different. I would feel like in a in a place like Auburn Arena or Rupp Arena where you're playing in a road environment, you want to call those timeouts. Um, but I think a lot of fans have listening right now have have understood frustration with Coach Oates not using timeouts, and that comes from Coach Saban not, not using timeouts in football games. Uh, what's your two cents on that? Yeah, I mean, I think timeouts, when you use correctly, can um, be really huge. I, I think Oates' kind of um, – his belief on timeouts and kind of the way he goes about using them is he wants to make sure that, you know, should it be a, a very close game at the end, he has at least one or two that he can kind of use to, um, you know, and if we need to call a timeout because we can't get the ball inbounds or something like that, you know, it's nice to have that that one there. Uh, I think it definitely can cut off momentum. It, it depends. I mean, it's all situational and it's all, you know, kind of learning a feel for the game. Uh, I thought when we played Iona, um, Rick Pitino, his – use of timeouts was absolutely brilliant. Um, you go back every time we kind of got on a little bit of a run and they knew like they, they had to get as many breaks as possible to win that game. That's not, you know, to, you know, make light of them as a team or anything like that. They're a fantastic team. They're projected to make the tournament as an at-large bid, but they knew that uh, every time we, you know, we start to get a little bit hot, they needed to cut that off as fast as possible. So, um, he would be aggressive in using them, and I thought it worked out perfectly for him. But he could have used them the exact same way, and it could have screwed him at the end of the game if you know it worked out differently. So um, I don't know that there's any one right answer to it, but I, I think at situationally they can be very important in, in shifting momentum even just a little bit and kind of relaxing guys and, and giving them confidence in the game plan and everything else. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will, I'll say too, in terms of momentum, uh, playing a home game last night, seeing fans pack up grab their, 
jackets and head for the exits at the under four media timeout. I can't remember exactly what the point spread was, but as a fan myself, I was really disappointed to see a mass exodus of Coleman Coliseum. Uh, the same fans that have been griping and and asking and begging and pleading for a new arena, um, many of which grabbed their grabbed their coats, got up and left early. It's one of those things that's frustrating. And basketball is such a game of runs that anything could happen in the last, you know, three minutes and 44 seconds of the game or whatever it was. I think back to Missouri last year where the 20 point run uh, in less than, you know, in less than four minutes, I think it was. Uh, that was a little frustrating to me. But as you talked about with three point shooting, as you talked about with timeouts and momentum, uh, environment can make all the difference. And so I encourage our Alabama fans. Next Saturday at 11 a.m. to come out versus Arkansas and make some noise. Um, currently, let's. I'm going to take a look. I think Alabama right now is tied for seventh at four and six um, with Texas A&M, LSU, and South Carolina. So, is is looking at the SEC standings something you do individually? Is that something y'all do as a team? I know you want to take it in a game by game process, as we mentioned a little bit earlier on this podcast. Um, but what's what's the approach of like, OK, we're four and six, we're under 500. We've got to get to X, X point in the game. Or is that something you just leave up to Coach Oates when it comes to rankings and stuff like that? I'll say that something that's been really interesting for me since I've gotten to college is I grew up a huge college basketball fan, you know, watched a lot of Alabama, watched a lot of Duke uh, people that you know, know me growing up, know, know that I, I, I did love Duke basketball which, you know, maybe adds to my hateability a little bit. But um, I felt like I was really aware of the entire national kind of landscape of bas- of college basketball, um, but maybe less so about the individual leagues and their standings, if you will. Uh, whereas once I got to college, you become, as you know, a player for Alabama, you become really locked into the SEC. And so I felt like I have really, you know, become honed in into what's going on in the SEC. Just kind of keeping up with all the games Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I stick kind of aware of the standings. But, um, I mean, I couldn't tell you the exact order of it. You just kind of have an idea of, you know, general records for teams within conference play. And um, but at the end of the day, we're focused on us. You know, earlier on when it was, you know, we just lost a game or two, it was um, – saying really locked into the top because if we just went on a run, then all of a sudden we're back at the top. But now that uh, it certainly looks like the SEC regular season is out of um, out of reach for us, uh, you become a little less locked into that and just kind of overall the SEC landscape. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of stay aware. And as a team, I think we're all semi-aware, but um, it's not something that we just harp on 24-7. And it changes and it rolls and it evolves as the days go on. Currently, um, you got Auburn up at the top at 10 and 0. But I mean, you know, there's Tuesday games, there's Wednesday games, and then Saturday, everything shakes up. So what it looks like now will be completely different from Tuesday night versus Wednesday night versus Saturday night. Uh, so just a, a thing for fans to keep in mind as we're over the halfway point in this SEC season, Crimson Tide at four and six in conference play, 14 and nine overall. Britain, let's take a quick look at the week ahead. We've talked about the schedule at Ole Miss on Wednesday at, Ar- excuse me, versus Arkansas at home in Coleman Coliseum on Saturday. We know that 
you take it on a game-by-game basis. So scouting for Arkansas will not start until at least Thursday morning. Um, but tell us what you know about Ole Miss. Um, struggling, I believe, three and seven in conference play. Deshaun Ruffin, the guard, I believe, is out for the year. Regardless, as you like to say, it's really tough to win on the road. So uh, did, I don't know if y'all had practice uh, this Sunday afternoon, but what's what's kind of been the, the look ahead um, for the road trip to Oxford? Yeah, I mean, so uh, we were off today for what it's worth. And, and so we haven't gotten the full scouting report yet. Uh, nor have we gone through their plays. You know, I've kind of looked individually through uh, guys' clips and stuff like that. They give us, you know, the scouting report via – we use the Just Play app. And um, so we kind of are able to watch film and stuff through that uh, medium. But, uh, yeah, like you said, just it's tough to win on the road. Uh, you know, three and seven is not great, but four and six isn't great either. And so uh, I think we'd be really foolish to – take any opponent lightly i mean that's kind of been our, our our issue i mean you look at the reason we're four and six isn't because we lost to auburn or kentucky i mean although in a sense that didn't help but it, it really is because we lost games that um according to sites or vegas or whatever else i mean according to kempom those are games we're supposed to win right the games that we're supposed to win that we dropped are the reasons that we're below 500 in SEC play right now. So um, I think it'd be really foolish of us to, to walk into Oxford with uh, an attitude of, oh, this is our game. We're just going to walk in and here and win it. I mean, Ole Miss has a good team. They have a lot of pride in their program. And and I think it's going to be a tough win for us. Shoot, they have the, the best small arena in the SEC. And um, there's a fantastic atmosphere. So it's, it's going to be – um, a tough one. And, you know, I'm excited to go down to Oxford and play that one. And then, you know, kind of going into Saturday, uh, I haven't scouted them, like you said. Um, I, I really like some of their players. Um, uh, I, I love kind of the budding rivalry that's building between these two programs. Hopefully Saturday adds another chapter to that. Um, um, I'll say this, you know, I'll compliment one of their players. I think Jalen Williams is just a winner. Like, I, I really appreciate the way he plays, how hard he plays, just the blue-collar stuff he, do, he does. Uh, he is kind of what makes that team go at the forward spot. And um, so he's a, he's a fantastic player. He'll be someone that we're really going to key in on and, and not let, you know, take we can't let him take over the game just with his blue-collar stuff, his, his, you know, vision. I mean, he does so many things so well. So, um you know, he's a big reason that they've really turned this thing around. So uh, I got a lot of respect for him, but it'll be a big one Saturday. So hopefully we can get things turned back in the right direction this week. Absolutely. Alabama fans are hoping the same thing. And looking at uh, some SEC accolades, Auburn's, uh, excuse me, Arkansas's Devontae Davis, uh, second team all SEC preseason uh, from the coaches poll. J.D., as you, I think you just mentioned JD, but yeah, JD um, is a first team All SEC coaches preseason prediction player from Arkansas. And Arkansas is a team right now that's really been trending in the right direction. You talk about trying to play your best basketball, you know, hit hit your stride. Um, they're really doing that. Obviously, they struggled, and I can say it because I'm a fan. They played some pretty terrible non conference teams, and they had some tough losses as well. Um, but those those losses and, and those games and that experience, you know, 
it was different than Alabama's playing top teams in the country. However, they have gelled and been able to figure out themselves, and they are trending in the right direction, playing really good basketball. So Saturday, uh, Alabama-Arkansas will be a really good game. Winning, trying to get a win on the road will be very tough versus Ole Miss. Um, and Alabama just trying to get on the on the right side of things. Obviously, you never want to hit the double-digit loss threshold in your season, hanging on the the brink there at 14 and 9 overall this season. Uh, but Britton, any any more thoughts as we kind of begin to close this down on um this past week, this upcoming week? Any messages to fans uh, or, or things that are on your mind um that you care to share? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is that we are far from perfect i'm sure every alabama fan is quick to see that but we're also closer to being what we've wanted to be all year than most people think um you look at some of these losses and the first thought is man we're so far away we're not even close um uh, we played two top five teams this week i think it's important to remember it's not like we played uh two mediocre teams that we just lost to we played two of the top five teams in the country um obviously you want to come away from those games with wins but uh, they're great teams. It's hard to win those games. And um, I think that we are learning from every single one of these games. And I think we're like, we're, we're pretty close. Like you look at that game and if we shoot eight for 30 from three, which wouldn't just be fantastic by any stretch, the game looks completely different. And, you know, if we do a couple of things differently here and there, we're all of a sudden beating these top five teams. We just did beat those top five teams. So I, I really believe that it's it's about stringing them together, obviously, but but we're really not that far off. And so, um, man, I think our fans can play a really big role on Saturday. That should be a big game. Arkansas won eight in a row, um, looking to win their ninth in a row against Auburn at home this week. So uh, that'll be a great game between those two teams. And, and then they'll be coming into Coleman. So, uh, Got to make that a great environment this weekend, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So you mentioned Auburn. Speaking of Auburn, we're going to jump to a quick lighter note here before we close things out. Uh, I don't have any takes for you. We kind of answered mailbag questions from discussion uh, throughout the, the these previous minutes here on the Main Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. But, Britton, let's play a little game I like to call true or false. I've got one question for you, uh, and you can answer with true or false. Brian Harson. by the time we record week 15 of the Main Streets podcast, will be the head coach of the Auburn Tigers football program. True or false? I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm going to say true just because I think it'd be really dumb if it's false, but maybe that's the reason it's going to be false. Um, it, it just seems like the boosters are just kind of coming up with whatever they can to try to get Harson out of there. Um, and you can tell that the the accusations they were flinging at him didn't necessarily hold that much weight by how quickly they shifted away from him. You know, it started with the, he was having an affair with with uh, that girl that you know was a Boise State cheerleader or whatever. Allegedly, but, allegedly, allegedly. But within a day, no one was even talking about that, and they were calling Brian Harson like a racist. And I, and look, this isn't you know I don't know the guy. I don't know any of the happenings within the Auburn football program, but it's just kind of funny to see how quickly everything's shifting. Um, I'll, I'll, let me, let me jump in here. I'm going to say false. He's going to, I think he's going to be fired. 
throw all the allegations, throw all the accusations out of the window. Those don't even matter. He lost, I don't even know how many coaches. He lost a ton of guys to the transfer portal. He lost five games in a row to end the season and lost the Birmingham Bowl, which is basically a home game for Auburn. Uh, his quarterback left him. Um, and there may be some some daddy ball issues going on there with coach this, coach that. I was hearing and these Twitter spaces, these these people aren't in the in these programs. So, you know, not, how much of that is believable? I don't know. But if you throw all the allegations and accusations out the window, losing five games, losing all your coaches, not signing anybody on national signing day, losing more players on national signing day than you gain. This, I mean, granted, it was the second national signing day, but not also not he doesn't embrace the culture, right? Auburn is has a distinct and unique feel to it. I think that's something you acknowledge, I acknowledge, um, and certainly makes that university unique. I don't get the the interpretation at all that he embraces that culture at Auburn. Um, he's not he doesn't know how to recruit this area of the country. Um, and I'm just going to go back to the point that he's running his coaches straight out of the door. Um, it, it 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 should be obviously evident that he is not a good fit for that position. See, like, here's, here's kind of my take on it, and it really means nothing. But from the people that I know that are close to the situation than I am, which, again, means nothing, but I'm as far from the situation as you can be just about. Um, there is a very strong core group of, that, of players there that really like the guy that say that he's all about the right stuff. Here's the other question, though, and this kind of going away from that. Can Auburn afford to just fire this guy without cause? No. That's why they're throwing these. That's why they're throwing the accusations at him because they're trying to be able to fire him with cause. But I mean, they can't afford another buyout on top of the Gus one, on top of this Bruce Pearl extension they signed. Can they? Like, I don't know that they can afford to just fire this dude right now. No, and I think Auburn fans and boosters, which I understand, you know, from what or I acknowledge, I look at the fact that Auburn is run completely different. It's run by boosters. It's it's run by people who want more instant gratification. I think that's what sets Alabama football apart is that Saban stepped in and he said, this is my program. I'm going to run it like this. You do your job as a booster to pay money to the university or however that works. And let me run the program. Auburn has never been that way. That's why Malzahn was fired in the first place. If Auburn knew what was right for him, Malzahn would still be the coach. I mean, he had more wins over Saban than any other SEC coach, and he'd won two of his last three versus Saban. I don't, I don't know how many coaches in college football can say that. Uh, it, it's baffling to me because it's a completely different environment. They don't, they, they want instant gratification. And who, who are you going to get? You know, what 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 person wants to walk into a program like Auburn where everything is is dictated by powers that be? You've got a former coach whose son comes in at quarterback, take the Knicks family. And, you know, and I'm sure Patrick Nix was trying to talk to Bo Nix about the program and Harson or whatever. I I don't even know what I'm saying anymore because it's just so much of a cluster that it's hard to keep up with, and it's ridiculous. I, it, they need to clean house. They need to get rid of him, and they need to reestablish their program and their football program's culture. That's that's what I'm just going to say. And I'm not even a fan. It's just frustrating to keep up with. The thing is, 
you know, all these random things that have been brought up, you know, we brought up a couple of them, you know, culture fit, everything else. Um, you know, I think recruiting is a legitimate concern, but none of it matters if he's winning games. It just uh, like, that's just the fact of the matter. And, um, you know, the thing about the Auburn job is you're competing against Nick Saban and that's just not going to be a battle you're going to win. And so, you know, I honestly think we kind of have differing views on, on this based on kind of what I'm hearing. I, I don't know that Auburn should get rid of him yet. I mean, I think you got to give the guy a couple of years, um, but yeah, what do I know? And, and it doesn't look like they necessarily will. So I guess here's what I, I was trying to work out for is, is if you're Auburn, what are you trying to be? Are you trying to be Alabama and Nick Saban? Because nobody is going to be able to replicate that. Uh, Dabo Sweeney couldn't do it. Kirby Smarts won a national championship, but no one has been able to get to the level of consistency and consistency and domination that Alabama has been. So if you're Auburn, you got to be realistic. All right, what do I want? I want to be mm, eight and four for a couple of years. I want to work my way up to 10 and two, you know, maybe get in some New Year's six bowls. And then once we have that, get the level of recruits that Alabama gets where you can compete for national championships. Auburn's not going to be competing for a national championship in the next decade if they continue to run things the way that they've been running. I guess this is I've kind of aired my grievances and what I said in the last rant that didn't make any sense. And so I think this is what I'm trying to say to Auburn now is what program are you trying to be? And then go get that coach. Go get an eight and four coach. And then after you get an eight and four coach, build them up, get the pieces, whatever you need to do, build the facilities to be a 10 and two school and then try and be a 12. No, whatever. That's that's not what we're here for. But I've just given myself a headache. I'm going to go take some Tylenol PM because I can't even keep up with it anymore. I'm just glad I'm an Alabama football fan. That's all I, I am too. Thank goodness. If this offseason for an Auburn fan is as much of a headache and all their all their games are as close as they are, I, I just don't get it. But, hey, everybody, follow the Mean Streets podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. Uh, you can check out merchandise. I've got my vest on right here. Go to bandwagonsports.com. That's bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop and click on Main Streets. You can buy a hat, shirt, pullover, vest, or even a golf shirt today. Bandwagonsports.com. Follow us on social media, and that's going to do it for week 14 of the Main Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. I'm William Galloway. Britton Johnson, as always, you've got the last word. Yeah, I mean, life. Life isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you respond. And so uh, that's what defines someone's character. And, and I think we're about to show the character of this program in the next few weeks. So I'm excited to do that. Um, so roll tide. But appreciate y'all uh, coming to support Saturday or even Wednesday if you want to come on out to Oxford, Mississippi. But especially Saturday at Coleman. Let's get that place rocking. Uh, let's welcome uh, Coach Muss uh, to the mean streets to uh, Coleman Coliseum. And mean streets really in Tuscaloosa. The real mean streets, the real mean streets. So, um, yeah, it'll be a good one. Roll Tide. <laughs>